Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is great. Now, if you've if you've read about this episode, you know that I have laid out this great big blast of news. So this is the influencers on Blog Talk Radio. And this has been the K Factor, where K equals kindness and the factors are all the things that lead to it. However, I have realized that I have recruited these people to share the platform with me to do the shows, and they are influencers. So we are called The Influencers, and this is on the new platform of Partners in Excellence Media. I'm about to be a mogul. (laughs) And guess who's in the house with me? It's Jamie Allman. Welcome, Jamie Allman. How are you? I'm glad to be an influencer instead of like a bad influencer. You know what I mean? So happy. Yeah. You know, I've always thought of you as one of the good guys. So I don't understand any of the cockapoo that goes around. (laughs) I am. I'm one of the good guys. I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and talk to that. Good. Exactly. So I am thrilled. So this is Deb Carlin. Dr. Deb Carlin, welcoming my new co-host, Mr. Jamie Allman. Oh, how fun. I love it. I do, too. So, Jamie, you know, I've I've been an admirer of yours. I actually, when I called up Jamie and I said, you got to do this with me. It's really exciting. (laughs) We kind of know each other. And I had to confess to him, I'm sort of like a groupie. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. I've been watching you and listening to you. You're raucous and you're exquisite at what you do. Well, I have a ton of fun doing it. It's a passion of mine. That's why, you know, I can get up at five o'clock in the morning every day with a with a smile on my face <laughs> and with energy. I barely need any coffee at all. Uh, but but it also means that I also kind of don't go to bed because I prepare for the show. Yeah, right. Uh, my my Once my preparation is done and I've got everything down, things that I want to talk about, things that I want to address, I'm like, well, I don't want to go to bed now. I'm <laughs> ready to go. I mean, come on. So it's, it's, really, it's really such a joy. And you know what? More than anything else, what? it's a privilege. Yeah. Uh, I always tell people that. Uh, be, and, I, and I take it very seriously. As much fun as I have yeah. on the radio and everything else, and then when I was in TV, yeah. um, I never forget what a privilege it is to be able to have forum, to be able to have the microphone, yeah. to be able to have that ability to talk to people and, and give people my opinion and take their opinions as yeah. well. And so I, I, I do not take it lightly, let's put it that way. Yeah. No, you are a drop-dead professional, consummate professional. Everything that you do is just, you know, your voice on the radio, your name recognition, your perspective. We're so aligned on our perspectives. And and so, you know what, Jamie, here's the thing. This is our debut on this show. Tell people, who the heck are you, and how did you walk into this radio space in the first place? Well, a long time ago, it was 18 years ago, uh, I had been a television reporter starting in 1986. Okay. I've been radio since 1985. So yeah. I graduated from college. Wow. I got out of radio, and I was covering the uh, city uh, and state governments and county governments there in Dane County in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, back in the day when we had, you know, these little rubber couplers and you'd call your report in and you'd, the, you'd wrap the rubber thing around the receiver. That's how you play all your little sound bites. And I know. Stuff. And so those were the days. So I started in radio yeah. and then eventually because I, I, 
I used to, when I did radio, and when I did the stories, it didn't matter what kind of story it was, I, I introduced the use of natural sound. Oh. No one had ever heard that before in the radio report. So what I would do, like, let's say I covered a story, but uh, of course, before that, I would just run the microphone and just get some sounds of the fire engines, or some sound of this and sound of that. Wow. And when I did my reports, I would actually do the reports with natural sound behind them, so there's some ambient sound. It's kind of crazy. It's weird that it's, that shouldn't be such a novel idea, but yeah, it right. was at the time. Wow. And so that caught the attention of a TV guy who was in town yeah. who said that I, should, I ought to be doing television with my appreciation for the sound and the whole story and the ambiance of the wow. story and everything else. So uh, I got hired in, in TV right after that, in 86, and then in 1989, I got a job down here in St. Louis at KMOV TV, and I was there for 14 years. Um, I won, I, I won 15 Emmys recently in TV. Oh my gosh! Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't like to brag, but I will, I will say that you know, uh, for investigative reporting and political reporting and anything else. So in, in 14 years, I got 15 Emmys in TV. I like wow. that idea. Yeah. It was, it was because of my my passion for it. Yeah. And then, um, and then. Overlapping that, so uh, was was then radio. So I I got a job in radio in about 2002. Yeah. So uh, for a time there, I was doing both television and radio. Oh, neat. Uh, at the same time. Yeah. So I was thinking in the morning, doing a morning show, and then going into work and doing television. Oh my gosh. Then uh, one crazy year, 2004, I decided to give up both because I had an opportunity. I was asked. To go and work for the Archbishop of St. Louis. I remember that, and I thought, what has he done? I know. <laughs> Why? I tell everybody that sometimes, you know, when people have a midlife crisis, they buy a Camaro or something. <laughs> that just so happens that I went to work for a controversial Archbishop of St. Louis. Yeah, so, um, uh, but I really enjoyed it. It was a great, it, it, it made for a really great uh, experience. It wasn't always such a positive experience. I was there for about nine months. Um, and, and finally, just because it was a different environment than, than I think I was, I thought I was hired to do, I went yeah. and left, and all on good terms. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, shed television along the way and just went back to radio. Yeah. And so as of 2005, I was back on the radio, and I, I, I called it Common Sense Radio, yeah. Republican Radio, okay. Common Sense Radio. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell everybody, and everybody knows that I am a, I am a conservative at heart. I have a lot of different proclivities, mostly libertarian. So yeah. For instance, I'm against the death penalty, you know, I'm pro-life. I'm pro I, I, wanted, I, I, I don't have a problem at all with gay marriage or gay adoption or Things like that. Just it's just common sense type yeah. of things that that I that I approach. So um, that has been the vibe ever since 2005. Yeah. And so you know I had I had a few hiccups along the way, including in 2018, uh, because of a complete and total uh, misdiagnosed <clears throat> tweet. But in the end, I'm here. I do a show called Radio Three Elements every morning. I'm on YouTube, and I have my app, and I've got Facebook and everything else, and we're all just one big, happy family. Yeah, it's In cool. spite of, by the way, yeah. some of the things that have been going on, and elections, and things like that. So, other than that, but you know what? What? I think that one of the things that separate 
some conservatives from others, and I think you would say the same thing. Yeah. Uh, we call ourselves joyful warriors. We're, we're not uh, prone to be attack dogs. We're not right. prone to be negative. We, I, think, I think that's what distinguishes, well, Americans from other people as well, is that uh, we always try to have a smile on our face, uh, and we always try to be dignified and have fun along the way and be informed and, and be as smart as we possibly can be. And so that's kind of been my, my career. That's what I've been doing. And I so have, a, I have a very valuable audience in terms of their loyalty. Oh yeah, you do. But, but, but it's more than transactional to me. We actually have a relationship, yeah. uh, which I love because yeah. it's almost like having just a one big family. Yeah. And that's what I really love about it. The community. Well, you know what, Jamie? That's exactly why I took Blog Talk Radio. I started out here about a decade ago doing the K Factor, all about kindness, the year that my mom passed away. And and it was you know, it was really therapeutic. I was talking about kindness because she was incredibly kind. So was my dad. And I was known for I had some guy call me up from a business magazine article and he said you know, I'm reading about you and the way that you do kindness, and I'm thinking I wanted to interview you, and so we started talking, and then he says to me, so, you know, I, I, I'm with WGN, I'm up in Chicago, I've got this, that, and the other thing, and I want you to come on and do this, and I was like, how much money do you want? <laughs> it turned out he was a good guy. I worked with him for a while, and then I got invited over to Blog Talk Radio, and I thought, the opportunity on Blog Talk Radio is huge. At the time, it was like 12 million unique visitors a month to that platform. And I thought, okay, well, let's see what we can do here. So I did the show for a few years, and he had a real engineer, and he had this groovy experience with it. And then, you know, got sort of pulled in different directions and did my work as a doctor of psychology and all that, holistic practitioner kind of deal. And then, really, the last couple of years, I started gravitating back towards the thinking there's so much messaging that needs to be done. There's so much that America and the world needs to hear, <clears throat> America being my first love. But, you know, this year, 2020, as I'm bouncing around my home and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what day of the week is it? And, like, where are, the, where are all my people? I can't see my people. I need to be black, back on Black Talk, Blog Talk Radio. Then I come in here and I'm doing the audio and I thought, I want to see people. <laughs> so I decided to dovetail it with Zoom and then upload it to YouTube and have there be a video component to it. Because what's the most popular and powerful uh, social media channel? It's YouTube, right? So I started doing that. Jamie, our numbers went through the roof. I mean, instead of hovering around 700,000 results on Google, you know, it's like 2 million, 4 million. <laughs> and, and this is happening with me and my brands and then everybody who I co-host with. And so I thought, you know what, like you, I am a conservative. But, you know, when, when you and I were growing up, and, you know, I grew up in Chicago, very democratic town, Mayor Daley. When he died, I said, Excuse me, that can't be. I mean, he's the emperor. What do you mean he died? That Mayor Daly's never going to die. He's like a god. Um, and so, anyway, dem democratic meant something different. It was about a machine that worked. The other thing that it was, when we talked about liberal, it was about open mindedness. 
So I really, I resist the labels to a certain degree because, you know, it's divisive. Like if you're, if you're a Republican, you better watch out. You might, somebody might beat you up. But if you're a Democrat, you know, like everybody hates you if they're, you know, so-called Republican. I'm thinking, wait a second. It's red, white, and blue, the flag. It's not red and blue. It's red, white, and blue. And I never understood this side of the aisle conversation. It wasn't that way when I was growing up. And you want to know what I feel terrible about right now? I'm thinking to myself, what has happened to my country while I wasn't paying attention? Right, right. I was busy doing all these things. Now I turn on the news. That's why this is the news. Because it's not about one particular demographic matters. It's about your life matters, our lives matter, our freedoms matter, our well-being matters. And I see things just being stripped away and threatened, including people. And I'm thinking, wait a second, we need, you're talking about common sense, not so common. Yeah, well, and we have a situation now where uh, as long as you are passionate about something or you're angry about something, Anything goes. Uh, you can say whatever you want to whomever. I think the whole COVID-19 panic oh. has you know, a little bit of that, too, where, where people just can't learn. And listen, this is coming from a person who has the freedom to speak all the time. Right. I, but I'm also not one of those people who believes that an athlete or an entertainer should keep their mouth shut. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about this judgmental finger-wagging, curl-clutching, finger-wagging that goes on everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, the stories heading up into Thanksgiving were all so interesting because there were stories in the New York Times and others that, you know, it's not enough just to have an election. Um, it's, it, we have to shame people who supported Donald Trump, for instance. Right, right. Your family, you need to go back home and you need to shame them. It's not enough just to have differences of opinion anymore. You need to shame people for their opinions. Now, uh, I've never, I would never even consider in a million years. I mean, I, for instance, the only conservative, I'm the youngest of six. Yeah. I'm the only conservative in my family, you know. <laughs> but, but, but I would never consider in a million years uh, going up to one of my family members or even friends of mine who might be living or whatever and, and challenging them yeah. on their core. Right. Challenging them on their morality or their values or right. their this or their that. Uh, because I, Maybe it's a generational thing, but I'm, I'm not trying to advocate some kind of polite society where no one says everything. It really weird lately. It has. People in their everyday interactions now. Yes. Uh, you can't see anybody's faces anymore. Right. Yeah, muffled. Muffled. Yeah, and, and it's been it's been so nerve wracking. Yeah. I've never been the kind of person that goes into an elevator. You know what? You know how people do even before COVID nineteen. Yeah. Uh, people go into elevators, and the minute they go into an elevator, instead of saying, "Hey, how are you?" or "How's your day going?" or whatever, yeah. they go right to their phones. Yeah. They don't. They can't stand the thought of of interacting with anybody, so they're just you know pretending they're doing something. Else. <laughs> has been so isolated. They're so isolated not only in their ideas, but they're isolated in their behaviors as well. And it's been kind of crazy. It is crazy. You know, the thing that really is so disturbing to me about what's going on this year, Jamie, is that every single relationship 
has been challenged. People are tiptoeing around one another. Well, what, what do you think about this? And, you know, like we're feeling each other out. It was refreshing to talk to you because we got on the phone and we were just a buzz with alignment, alignment, alignment. And then, you know, I, I actually, I was a little, a little nervous over the summer about talking about things. And then I just thought, you know what? Excuse me. This is my life. This is my United States of America. I believe that everyone has opportunity here. We've all witnessed it and everybody can have their position, but come on. If anybody really wants to make it in America, they can make it in America. Oh yeah. And we have people who, yeah, we have people who, you know, they're like, are dying to get in here. You know, they're taking a cardboard box across from Cuba to get here and making it, it, you know, it's astonishing. So here's the thing that's really troublesome. This just hurts my heart. I have relationships that have just fractured over this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. COVID-19 or both? Both. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, people, I've had people who I love showing up on my social media, particularly on Facebook and saying, you know, people get what they deserve. You know, if you're, if you're an anti-masker, it's like, what, what? What? And then, oh, well, I believe in the science. Excuse me. Science is not a belief system. It's not a faith. Science is hard, cold facts and evidence. And I don't know what it means when you can go to a restaurant until 10 o'clock at night, but then what? Or you could go to a grocery store and you you can't go to a restaurant. Like in, in here in St. Louis County, you can't even dine in. But you can go to a grocery store, which has, you know, people turning over. Yeah, touching everything. You know, in and out, in and out. Yeah. Even a restaurant, and yet they're closed down. I think we've had a real drop in in, in, the, in the trust level here. Uh, Huge. Our authorities, and you mentioned science there. Well, you know, one of the things about science is uh, we have scientists, but we don't elect scientists to lead. We, sure. we, we consult scientists. Right. And, and there's a reason why... Uh, we don't elect scientists or, for that matter, even economists when it comes to leading 330 billion people. Yeah. We have a leader who has to assess all those factors from these supposed experts. Although, I got to tell you, I still don't know. Nobody ever asked the question, okay, so why is it six feet again? What's yeah, it? right. Why is, why is it seven? Right. Or why is it four? Yeah. And I can never tell you why. Right, right. Uh, so um, we just are, are crazy because we've actually become, which is kind of crazy, um, a nation of sheep. Yes. And, and, and I saw John Casey the other day uh. talking about how, you know, well, you know, these politicians are, um, that they, they, they are, the, the flock is scattered. And, and it's funny because John Kasich was a governor. The congressman, and and suddenly it's revealed that he thinks that politicians are shepherds and that the citizenry are sheep. Oh my gosh! I'm like, oh, I never heard that applied to the political structure. We're not sheep. No. We we have uh, to stand up for our freedoms and and our rights and our independence, our sovereignty. Right. And 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 that's the problem. I think what's happened is we have trusted so much in the so-called authorities and institutions. And now suddenly they're turning their backs on us on a variety of levels. We're being led around by people 
who whose lack of knowledge has actually replaced knowledge. Yeah. Like, nobody knows anything about this virus. I don't care whether you're the, the, the top scientists in the world. You can't. You you can't. You have to admit you still don't really know anything about this thing. If yeah. you did, we would have resolved it by now anyway. And 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 if, if masks worked, we wouldn't have everybody wearing them at record levels and COVID nineteen running around at record levels. So these people just don't know anything. So in, in their lack of knowledge, they take actions that they don't have to ever defend. So right. they'll shut this down, they'll shut a church down. How in America you could ever have a society where you allow a politician or a scientist for that matter, anybody to shut down one of the hallmarks of our First Amendment. Thank you. Freedom of assembly, freedom of worship, everything else. Yeah. How anybody could put up with that in America is yeah. beyond me. Me I think too. soft on those kinds of things. Yep. Matters. Yep. Uh, I don't know why, but society has changed a little bit. And so we are we kind of a society where uh, we all demand absolute safety, security, and a bubble around us at all times, even if it means imprisoning people. Yeah. So it's crazy. You know, one of the things that, that I, I, early on, if you remember, it was about a mask. And then it was about social distancing. And the social distance was three feet. And I'm thinking, why three feet? And then I thought, okay, well, around the world, if you, if you look at interpersonal space, there's a doctor's psychology. This has been a big thing for me, social psychology. And it's like every country has got their different range, you know. And we've got a pretty good range of interpersonal space here in America. A lot tighter in, in, in Japan because it's tight, tight quarters, right? But I'm looking at this, and then I see on YouTube, and I'm thinking, oh, no, we're really headed for something disastrous here. They're doing practice sneezes with cameras, seeing how far does your, does your, does your spew go on a sneeze. And it's like, it's not three feet. It's six to eight feet. And I thought, oh, my gosh, now we're going to be distanced further. Now, here's the cool part. The cool part about 2020, and there's always a silver lining opportunistically, is that what we can say is we're a little bit more polite. Like now we've been showed on TV how to wash our hands, right? I thought we learned that when we were from like three years on by mom. But okay, we have to teach the nation. Don't pick your nose and then touch people. You know, don't cough and then shake hands. <coughs> but this this face diaper, excuse me, this you wear a mask, people are wearing the same filthy mask time after time after time and not understanding you're breathing out oxygen, breathing in carbon dioxide. This is not healthy. I'm waiting for the litigation to start where people are getting sick from the mask, you know, like they like they did from spraying Roundup. Because you know right, you know what's gonna happen. But 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 the the worst part of it is is when you're out, there are people who are alone in their car. They're wearing their masks. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's a very, very depressing sight. That's the, one sight. Yes, people are walking out in the park and wearing a mask. They're on the beach. They're wearing a mask. They're riding their bicycle, and I'm thinking, you're breathing in heavily, exercising, and you're poisoning yourself. What are you doing? Then you go into the grocery store. And, you know, if you've got your mask, I can't breathe with it over my nose. And I'm not coughing. It's for when you're coughing. 
I'm not coughing, and I'm walking around there. People are, like, ready to shoot me or stab me with a pickle or something. Yeah. You know, your mask has to be up over your nose. I just look at them and go, yeah, and I yeah. walk away. But, you know, there's, like, these these guardians, like, these monitors all over the place. And yeah. I'm thinking, if we don't calm this the hell down, and, it, and, if, and if we don't get all this stuff straight – I mean, people have really gotten violent, you know? You know, you know about the so-called, uh, well, they, they call it the next door app, you know what that is? I next do. Door. You can snitch on your neighbors. Yeah, the next door app used to be something where people would use it to uh, give people crime alerts or help their fellow neighbor, uh, you know, take care of them. maybe if there's a jam someplace, whatever, and it turned into one big snitch factory. It turned into one big place where everybody went and ratted out their neighbors or, or ratted out a playground that happened to be not that tape around the merry-go-round. Oh, like, my oh, gosh. What did we turn people into? Yeah. It's just crazy. It is It is so crazy. It, it You know, it is so disturbing I mean, I've been watching families get ripped apart, groups of friends get ripped apart. Uh, I had a friend, I, I have friends who told me that they would come visit me uh, from, you know, another location, but only if I would quarantine for two weeks before they got here. Talking about. For what? I mean, do you want me to have the whole place Lysol wiped down to? Because the point is, it doesn't make any sense. But emotionally, and this really bothers me, people don't, <clears throat> people don't understand what comorbidity means. Comorbidity means those diseases that you already have that are killing you. Right. You know? I mean, you have diabetes that's killing you. you got that along with cardiovascular disease. Those things are killing you. These problems, yeah. 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 So you better get them rectified. You know what? Here's the thing. We could have used all of 2020 if the media and the government was really on our side, not as our shepherds, but as the people who work for us, right? Isn't that the model? They work for us. Right, exactly. Yes. They really could have been saying, you know what? We've got all these holistic practitioners in our culture. We've got all these brilliant minds about how we can boost our immune systems and how we can learn these new practices while we're at home. How we can how we can shop online and you know get our groceries delivered to us if we think it's not safe. I mean, excuse me, I don't want the grocery stores shut down, but the grocery stores are the most touched place. Oh yeah. Of yeah. any. Right. And we're yeah. picking up the food. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, Doctor, you know, I think longer term, I'm really concerned about what we are doing to our children. Because because modeling for children right now through not only uh, society uh, through not only the schools not only politicians yeah. not only the news media yeah. to me has been terrible. Yeah. Uh, children really in the end more important than anything need yep. a sense of security yes. need a sense of reliability. Yes. When adults around them are panicking, yep. are uh, squirting. And, and making them wear masks, yeah, or even making them learn 
through a computer yeah. within a classroom. Yep. Shutting down their sports. Yep. They're watching other people fight. They're watching their families torn apart sometimes. Right. That's fight. right. They're they're not seeing people. They're not uh, interacting with individuals. Right. In some cases, their churches they say their churches shut down. Yep. Their schools or whatever. And to me, this is setting a really poor example uh, for kids. I, I I couldn't tell you exactly what they're learning. In, in terms of in terms of culturally what they're learning, whatever else, but they're seeing a society that has uh, been ill-equipped to deal with stress and chaos. And so what Absolutely. they do is they either retreat or they shut down or they get angry or they, in some cases, with, with people they don't like getting elected in office, they'll hit the streets and and start fires and, or they'll or they'll loot. Or, so it's been one year where I think we've really set a very poor example for our children more than anything else. Absolutely. And they're watching us. They're yeah. watching us. Yeah. Well, there's a book written back in the 50s called Children Learn What They Live. It started out as a poem by Dorothy Law Nolte, and it's beautiful. And now it's a beautiful book. And, and it really tells you when children grow up with this, they end up like this. And, and it's formulaic. You know, I have said since a year ago, you know, it was last December when we started hearing about the Wuhan virus and people standing in their apartment buildings, remember on the news, in China, opening their windows, screaming, I'm okay, are you okay? And yeah. trying to play ball back and forth between their windows. Well, I started looking at that and I started getting extremely uncomfortable in December, and then by January, what I started saying and writing about was, it's not the germ that I'm afraid of. It's the social psychology, the interaction of the environment with the people, and the people really having this fear factor that's going to spread like wildfire, like nothing before. You know, the, the reality of the ways in which this has been dealt with has been so evil and mean-spirited. And, you know, to turn on our president at a time of massive stress when he's doing everything, you know, shut down travel from China and people are calling him xenophobic and all this other, other stuff. Wait a second. If we know we have an infected region, don't we put ourselves into them for some containment? That was one part of containment. But... When you're talking about the kids, here was one of the worst things that I saw was two things. One, when I saw teachers on news channels, on television, with a 360 owl camera, and the school is saying, oh, this is so wonderful. We've got this new technology. And the teacher is in the room, and all the school desks are spaced apart. There's no kids in there. And they're taped apart. Okay, and then the teacher gets on the camera to teach her students. She's wearing a huge black mask over her face. And I'm thinking, who are you masking against? Are the children supposed to be at home masked? This is terrible. The children need to learn nonverbal behavior, and they need to be able to see your whole face. And by the way, facial recognition in, in human development is essential, essential. An infant needs to be looking in your eyes and watching all your facial gestures, seeing your breathing and breathing with you and being helped. I saw footage 
It's my second really big thing. This is criminal. I saw footage in hospital nurseries in the um, nursery, the babies, the newborn infants, masked. On a baby? And I'm thinking, this is insanity gone over the top. Wow, yeah. Over the top. Now, you take that. You take that and you combine that with people go in the hospital, no visitors. People are in places for elderly, call it whatever you want. They're all nursing homes. They're called the last stop. And it's horrible. Why it is we don't all keep our families home with us, I'll never understand because I did with my mom and dad. But people have all kinds of reasons for it. The idea of keeping our generations together has been very appealing to me to think that we have people on the, on the other side of a glass wall and we could go up and touch the glass and then they have these like plastic things and you can hug through the plastic. How many people, they're not dying of the coronavirus, they're dying of heartbreak. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's tough, it's tough. I mean, my mom's 92 years old. God love her. Uh, and, you know, and she's doing fine uh, with, with the help of all of us, you know, keeping tabs on her and everything else. And I always make sure she has her vodka and, and Ruben uh-huh. But, you know, but she had an entire structure around her. So she had her church. She had a bridge club. Yeah. She had a book club. Yeah. I would always get her, you know, a, a package of tickets to the baseball game for her and a friend. So yeah. they would all take the met she'd take the metro link down. Oh there, my gosh. I'd get in her nineties and, and go down and watch the ball game and everything else. So she had all those things and those things have been cut off from her. Oh my gosh. Uh, thank goodness that she has uh the, 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 the great kind of disposition that she does. Yeah. Uh, the excellent constitution uh, that she does in her in her heart uh, to get past that. But I wonder about other people who, when separated from those normal routines, oh my gosh, are, are being harmed by it. And, and you can go from the 92-year-old to the 8-year-old. Right. I think it's a, a very stressful time uh, for them. And I think uh, mostly it's unnecessary. So that's, that's the worst part of it, is that we're doing this, and, and, and so much of it is actually unnecessary. Right. Just employing people. Separate, separating people from their faiths and their churches, oh. uh, it's, it, a lot of it, it is unnecessary. You know what? That's been the hardest thing for me. I, as a practicing Catholic, I love to go to Mass every day. And it doesn't matter where I'm at. I've got a parish in Chicago. I've got a parish in St. Louis. And I, and I love my priests, and I love my fellow parishioners. And the times this year... This feels really sinful to me, but the times this year when I have gone to mass, I have gotten so furious. You got to sign in because we're tracking you. You got to do the hand wash. No, thank you. You got to have your mask up. You walk in, there's not holy water. The sacraments are just stripped. I just, I can't do it. I sit there and I have to actually go into confession while I'm sitting in the pew because I'm thinking how mad I am. Yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, I mean, do we have confession right now? Probably you have to call. I just, I can't, I just can't abide the game that's been played against humanity. 
And, you know, I've walked around my home, Jamie, many days, really crying and saying, what has happened to my country? What has happened to my fellow Americans? Why why are they burning the cities? Why are they destroying our monuments? Why are they killing one another? Why and, and I you know, I, I look at this and I think this is really unfathomable and what is what is our solution here? And right now, I, I don't know, tell me, Jamie, you're way more knowledgeable about this historically than I am, but has there ever been a president elect that walked in before the inauguration? Oh no, uh, there hasn't been, uh, and and we, I don't even know. I, I'm not quite sure we can even say he's president elect yet. Me I, neither. Uh, Kamala Harris hasn't resigned her Senate seat, so we'll. Uh, I, they, they they must be thinking something that uh, they're not telling us. But who knows? I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. I nor am I a conspiracy theorist. What I am is a freedom-loving American who wants the integrity of our elections to stand. So yeah, I don't really know. I, I, you know, I, I see a situation right now where it's funny. I talked about this a while back on the show when, when the pandemic was first emerging. And it was interesting how America would, was, had, had a totally uh, non-acceptable level of death when it came to COVID-19. Yeah. Like, like, like it was pretty clear that there were certain people who, when COVID-19 got them, they were going to die. Yeah. That, that is the way it is. It's still a small, tiny, infinitesimal percent. Yes, it is. But it's interesting how uh, how politicians and everybody got out there and told us, and, and, and news media outlets and everybody else, which is the most disturbing thing, really, right. celebrating the shutdown of entire cities. Yeah. Telling everybody it's okay, but but we have if we, if we can do just and they always say if we can do just one thing if we can save just one life through this then it's all worth it. No, and it sounds callous yeah. to some people, but actually it's not worth it. it right? It, yeah, right. And, and and oddly enough, in this country we also have acceptable levels of death that are alarming. Uh, look at where you are in Chicago. Right. Right now on every weekend. There is an acceptable level of death in Chicago. It blows my mind. And I'm, not, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I mean, we should just let people die. Right. I'm, just, I'm noting the hypocrisy of this idea Agreed. that everybody has to be in a bubble and we have to kill off an entire economy because of it when we have an acceptable level of death you know, on our, in our inner cities, for instance, of our fellow human beings who are literally murdering each other. And we have, and, and the only person actually who's lifted a finger to try to allay that by giving uh, minorities a bigger stake in the economy and a better one is, go figure, Donald J. Trump, who's all racist and Democrats there haven't done anything about it. And so it's weird to have all these people talking about how we have to do everything we can to save a life, but they don't talk about that. Not even Black Lives Matter talks about that. Right, right, right. <clears throat> I agree 100%. It's been very bewildering to me. Um, you know, one of the one of my my associates has said um, he was consulted by whoever when Black Lives Matter was being put together 
and they presented him with that that slogan, Black Lives Matter. And it's a strong black male. He said, put a comma after it and say also. Because what you're saying is definitive. Well, wait a second. But then you're going to shoot people who say all lives matter. <clears throat> there was, um, you know, there, there are so many different scenarios where people are injuring one another. And, and, I, and I just don't get it. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist either. But I am looking at this logically, as logical as I can be sitting in the middle of this, right? And I'm thinking, I've done a bunch of things to boost my immune system and make sure that I stay healthy. And I work a lot, but I work out of my home. I can go and lay down or take a walk and, you know, just free my mind. But I, I, I look at this and I think to myself, there are so many people who are <clears throat> getting anti-anxiety meds, antidepressant meds, drinking, ultimately committing suicide. Suicide rates are off the charts. And somehow, no one's talking about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm getting more calls from people in distress. I don't know what to do. And they're not even relating it to 2020. They're just saying, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm not doing well in school. I'm having trouble at home. I mean, I've got kids in college whose parents have got me helping them with their stress. And I'm saying to these kids, you know, they're 20. And I'm saying, I need for you to understand something. It's the context within which you're living. I've got a few years on you. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. And their, their reaction to me is, most of these are Zoom calls. They look at me and they go, oh, thank you. No one said that. And I'm thinking, you know, this is, we all grow up thinking the way that we're living is reality. Yeah. Well, it yeah. is, but this reality is perverse. I, what's the solution, Jamie? Well, you know, here's here's what I think. I, here's the good news uh, about all of this, and and I think that I, I don't know whether you've obviously you have, but you know, like when you when you go on vacation or sometimes you just turn off all of your news. Yes, I do. <clears throat> Imagine a life where you don't have the news. Um, and, and, and imagine, I would love to do an experiment where everything is blacked out. Now, again, I don't, I don't, I'm, a, I'm a truth seeker. I don't, I don't want to just shut people up or do whatever. And I, I'm also not an ostrich. I don't keep my head in the sand. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I will say that uh, I think that there are, we have to start to go after, even as we talk about being influencer, influencers ourselves. Yeah. We have to start going after the bad influences. Yes. And, and the bad influences are our news media, some of our tyrants in politics, some of the people who have been getting away with uh, with a kind of virtual murder of us over the past 25, 30 years by not caring about us, by negotiating our 
jobs and our economies away, yep. um, getting us into uh, wars that we shouldn't belong, uh, that we've never belonged in. And, and that's one of the reasons why President Trump was such a breath of fresh air and why he caused so much anxiety among people. I think it was mainly he caused anxiety among people in the press and others who were no longer in control. Yeah, right. Uh, I, and I will tell you that for the, for the first time in my even adult life, when President Trump was elected, I finally felt like real people were in control. I yeah. finally felt that like we had, that we had uh, fully separated from the political structure that has basically engaged in pitting us against each other all the time. Yeah. So weird because President Trump was completely, and, and it might be just my mindset, he was just completely antithetical to this person he was portrayed as, which was a divider. Yeah. He wasn't divided. He divided a lot of people from their power. Yep. He news media from his power, and then he started tweeting. Yep. Uh, but, but history had repeated itself by then. Even when Franklin Roosevelt did his fireside chats, the news media hated it when he when he did that. Yeah. Because he was going directly to the people. Yeah. And and, and uh, these political structures all worked for the next four years to try to grab all that power back, no matter what kind of damage they were going to do to us. Yeah. Moving on, I, I, we have to start to question these institutions and these and these people and, and question these people who actually are uh, bad influences on us. They, they are bad for our lives. I mean, if you notice, and, and you can go out on the street of Chicago or I can go out on the street of St. Louis, and you realize, you realize people are getting along just fine. Yeah. People, people are, you know, unfortunately what's happened is we've been all been masked up and everything else, so we're running around with these uh, frightened, uh, you know, whether you, you, you know the, the, the painting, The Scream? Oh, yeah. That one? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was for Americans. Yeah. It's natural. Yeah. And, like, but even I went to Walgreens the other night uh, to get another extension cord for my Christmas lights, of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and um, I think I have now 150 extension cords. Maybe. <laughs> so, so I go there and I tell tell the clerk there um, while I'm while I'm checking out. I go, you know what? I, I'm really happy that I actually sometimes you can't tell when people are smiling, but I'm really happy I can tell you're smiling by through your eyes. Just being nice to me. Yeah, her. yeah. And she was, you know, uh, she was smiling, and it was so nice because what happens is a lot of people put that mask on. And automatically, they, they, they get a blank look on their face. Exactly. Uh, I don't know why that happens. Yeah. I think what happens is when, when, when you get this sense that no one can see your mouth, you just become a robot at that point. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but people are getting along. People, with the exception of all the next door apps and all those people, that's been a problem for us. But again, keep in mind why that is. And why that is is because our political structure, our politicians, the people who are making money off the panic, the people who are making money off of our divisions racially and otherwise, yep. the people who are gaining power off of them. The news media has classically always gained its power through uh, telling us how chaotic and, and, and divided we are and how racist and troubled everything else we are. And so if we tend to start to work to remove those influences from our 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 sphere and start to rely on each other a little bit more um, and, and realize that, that we need to, you know, kind of uh, take our head out of our phone in the elevator for once or say something nice to somebody. Yeah. It's really, it's actually very easy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and because what's happened is, even to your point, 
things that have we always relied on so much have been stripped away from us. Yeah. Sometimes it's sometimes it's our families. Suddenly, you got people who won't let their own uh, mothers see their babies right. because they, their mother doesn't wear a mask. And so the things that we've relied on for our peace, some, for kids in schools, right. their schools, they're going to school and seeing their friends, whatever, uh, their athletics. For us, it's been our churches yeah. uh, or even for that matter, our families. Yeah. Or just even um, getting a cup of ice, uh, a soda at, at the convenience store that now is banned in St. Louis County. All these things that we actually have, have found comfort in have been stripped away from us. It's crazy that we allow the political structure to get that far into our lives, yes. far into our everyday lives. It's astounding to me, but they've done it. Just when you thought you could, there's no way to permeate that personal existence that we've had with each other and with our churches or schools or people or neighbors, uh, they did. And, and so we have to find a way to get that part of it back. Well, I'll tell you what, I am all about getting that part of it back and more. And I'll tell you the thing that really has got me on the edge of my seat right now, and that is this vaccine. I mean, to tell you in droves, nearly everybody I know has said, oh, I can't wait for the vaccine. Oh, when the vaccine comes, I'm going to be first in line. I'm getting it. And I'm thinking, never, ever. Uh, First of all, vaccines are dangerous. Kids did get vaccines, me included. I got the, the mark on my right upper arm to demonstrate my, my legacy of vaccines. You always get a fever. You always feel crappy because they're injecting you with what it is that you're supposed to build the antibodies of. But here's the problem. This was a rush job on the vaccination. This is uh, one of the companies... Uh, it, that um, came out with a vaccine. Pfizer. No, it, it's oh. uh, it's it's one of the ones that that um, President Trump really Minerva or something Moderna. like. Huh. Moderna. Moderna. It's the first time they've ever created a vaccine. Yeah. And and you know when you look at the at the physicians and the chemists who have analyzed the contents, it's pretty disgusting. And if this is if this is the decoy for furthering intimidation and control of the people, then I am I am really uh, uncomfortable because I've got friends, physicians in particular, who are saying, "No way! I am not letting my patients take it." You know, we've already got a line of defense against this. If it's mandatory, what the hell are you kidding me? You can tell people what to do mandatorily. With well, their bodies, or you okay. can't travel, or you can't go into public establishments. This is this is where this is where again we need. First of all, Pfizer's in the UK. They've already issued warnings that if you had a significant allergy, yeah, you can have an anaphylactic shock. Right. Uh, and, and I have my kids vaccinated, but my 13 year old is allergic to pine has, has allergies, and I don't want her to take the vaccine and go into the anaphylactic shock right now where, where they're giving it. They all have resuscitation machines uh, in the in the office when doing it. But this is where, Doctor, uh, where we need 
our own structures to step up, and, and unfortunately, they have failed us. They have. There's not a church in this country that should be willingly shutting down. I agree. There's a restaurant in this country that should be willingly shutting down. There's not a corporation in this country that should be willingly touting the wonderfulness of staying at home and inside. So, but what happened is we've lost those people. And, and, and when it comes to the vaccine, it's just going to be another formulation to the mask. Uh, because what's going to happen is you're not going to be able to uh, go to work, get a job. They're right. going to have the vaccine available in the conference room right. for four hours. The human resources, Karen, is going to send you a message uh, via your email saying, hey, we're getting a Getting the, uh, you're just going to be a level of coercion, uh, society coercion. It's going to be uh, the mask is, is right now visible. As you can tell, people aren't wearing it. Just wait until you have to you you have to be asked if you've had the vaccine. Uh, wait until an airline will not let you fly with right, it. Right. Uh, wait until TSA checks you before you even get on an airplane if you haven't had it yet. And so it's going to be a basically a, a level of, of coercion that's going to be going on. Uh, even though we don't know it to be a effective, right. and we certainly don't know it to be safe, but that's going to be the other level of coercion. That's going to be the other uh, value check that's being made right now as we live. That's why our our structures, our community structures, ought to be uh, be able to withstand this. The problem is, and I have no problem with lawyers, but you know, the problem is. The attorneys are all going to tell the airlines and the corporations and the schools and the restaurants and everything else that if you don't, if your people are not vaccinated and someone gets COVID-19 and they've been to your place, they you. And so at that point, then usually what happens, you mention a lawsuit and all bets are off and people will do anything to avoid litigation. Even though you could never prove somebody got COVID-19, you could never prove where they got it. Exactly. But, but they're still going to be warned about it, and it's going to flip everybody out, and then we're going to go into some kind of panic over the thing. You know, I thought it was really, uh, really devastating here in the United States. But when I talked to my business associates and friends in other parts of the world, there's other parts of the world. I mean, even just in Europe and in in Austria and in Germany and in France and Italy, where it's even worse. I mean, a friend of mine, a Frenchman, was leaving France and going to Italy because they were coming and knocking on the door saying, you know, we need to sign you up to get the vaccination. It's going to be mandatory. And so he goes to Italy and then he goes to Italy and it's like, they're crazy here too. So he's going to Brazil. I said, I thought you left Brazil because it was crazy down there. He said, well, I got to keep moving around because I'm not consenting to what I don't believe in. And by the way, my paradigm on healthcare and medicine is completely out of the paradigm of typical society and American standards. I mean, I just, I don't do what most Americans do. And I'm 64 years old. I don't have any diagnoses. I don't have any illnesses. Oh, we're down to 90 seconds. No way. Holy. Camera on there and everything, huh? Oh, my gosh. All right, Jamie. I think we need to be on here every day. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have the world's problem solved by then. 
All right, so friends, I hope you loved this. I absolutely was lit on fire with Jamie Allman here. Jamie, I am so grateful to you for being on here with me. You know, we're co-hosting. We got to keep doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. Yeah, so thank you so much. I'm honored to be with you. It's been so much fun, and I love talking to all the people out there and and especially learning from them, too. I'm sure we will. We'll get some feedback on this, I'm sure. So it's been been fun. Till next time, this is Dr. Deb Carlin with my co-host, Jamie Allman. All right. We'll see you next time.